Going In Raw is now a CastBox original. CastBox is the fastest-growing, highest-rated podcast app on both iOS and Android, where you can find all your favorite podcasts. You can still listen to Going In Raw wherever you get your podcasts, but we hope you'll give CastBox a shot. We think it's the best. Sword that touched it. <laughs> There's nothing there. There's nothing there, you idiot. Look, it's not even, now it's on. Here, close it and then throw it. Hey, Rendo, Steve here. And Larson. Welcome back to Matt Chat. The thing was, the cap was on. I wasn't even touching anything. <laughs> You've got me in the wood right now, Steve. Welcome to Matt Chat. It's the show that we solicit videos from our patrons. The show where Larson throws writing utensils. $20 and up, you can get on this show as well. We answer your questions. If it's a debate topic, we debate it. If there's something that we agree on, we just say, yeah, we agree on this. It's, a, it's an open discussion forum. It's, for it's another excuse for us to talk about an wrestling hour concerns. about pro wrestling. Exactly. Uh, so like we said at patreon.com forward slash Steven Larson, uh, $20 and you guys get to answer, uh, ask these weekly video questions. Um, it's a lot of fun. I like this show. Yeah, it's fun. It's a fun show. Let's kick it off. We got a bunch of questions today. Yeah, we do. Today we got from uh, the first one. It's from the good friendo. He's back, back to, back to business. Yeah. AO worm. He's in his uniform. He's, he's doing some good work out there in military. Yes. Let's see AO worm. What's good, guys? A.O. Worm here back with another match chat question. Steve Larson, the McMahon family has given you the keys to the kingdom. So as you both now run WWE, what are some of the things that you guys will change, add, or implement to make WWE the greatest wrestling promotion of all times? No questions asked. Too sweet, hearty handshake. Catch you guys later. Thank you, A.O. Worm. Thank you, A.O. Worm. All right, Larson, let's come up with five solid ideas to make WWE the undisputed best wrestling promotion Start ever. Start number five. Number five. Five. Uh, no commercial breaks during sh- matches. Yes. That's that. Yeah, that's, that's number a, four. Yeah, big time. For uh, more organic uh, backstage segments. Oh, yeah, that's good. That's a really so, good So, you know, I'm not saying go do exactly what Impact did with the Fly in the Wall documentary handheld camera stuff. It was good, stuff, though. It was good. But something more in that direction. Number yeah, three, sure. ditch the scripted promos. Yes. Yes. Or use scripting when necessary. Shift to a more collaborative environment with the wrestlers. Say, hey, look, big cast. What do you prefer? You want me to write a whole script? Yeah, write a whole script. Daniel Bryan, this is the, the point we want you to convey. Do you want a script or you just want to do it? I'll do it. Exactly. Do that. Enough of this fine, like scripted down to the letter. Don't like that. Yeah, I don't like it at all. I think my number one, I'll just skip to number one. You probably agree with this. Let the wrestlers wrestle. I don't know if there is. I was going to say focus on in-ring action. Make yeah, it the, okay. the priority of focus. I don't know if there is a... Well, I, I know that there are moves. WWE doesn't want certain performers performing. Mm-hmm. Pile drivers are out, by the way, yeah, yeah, yeah. for example. Um, however, there does seem to be a certain pattern of wrestling style that, um, that the, the main roster, at least, has to adhere to. Um, and I feel like in New Japan, granted, uh, you know, New Japan wrestling style of wrestling may seem a bit more dangerous because the moves they execute, you know, they do pile drivers, for mm-hmm. example. Mm-hmm. Um, th- that sunset flip power bomb that That's gotta uh, go. Takahashi always does. I don't. I do not like that at all. No. Um, but I think that they can ease up what seems to be some restrictions in terms of their wrestling. Here's the thing: I know us all the time in WWE matches, not in everyone, but a lot of them. Mm-hmm. Where there'll be some action, and there'll be a rest hold, mm-hmm. and then very rarely, apart from Kevin Owens, does anybody use a headlock anymore? Yeah. Now it's that kind of arm bar thing. Mm-hmm. You know what I'm talking yeah. about? Yeah, where yeah, they, yeah. they they brace it kind of under the under the armpit. Mm-hmm. Um, and I don't remember where I read this. Or maybe I imagined it. Like they do that kind of stuff to try to get the crowd. Like the faces in that hold, they do that to get the crowd. You know, to start getting involved in the match and cheer them on, mm-hmm. which I understand to a degree. But there's more exciting ways to do that, especially when the match is going at a decent, you know, clip. The pace yeah. is good, yeah. and they need to s- stop it 
yeah. to a halt to try to get some some uh, audience interaction. There's other ways to do that. Yeah. Um, it doesn't really enhance the story a bunch when you know, okay, here's, in, in, in almost a formulaic sense, this is a spot where we're going to have this this hold put that uh, doesn't enhance the story being told. Yeah. It just is, is there to try to spark some audience inter- interaction. Um, I'm going to bring this, this one actually probably should have been five. So I'm going to replace five, bump up five through one all the way up. Number five, outsource your, uh, your merch graphic design. Yeah. I think there's so many great artists out there that if you look at pro wrestling tees, if you look at uh, black craft cult, if you look at Seth Rollins company, mm-hmm. the black and the brave, if you look at a lot of these graphic designers out there that are creating the, uh, the, the guy that does uh, British strong style stuff. Yes, 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 yes. Um, have outsourced that stuff because WWE's merch is rarely, very rarely spot on. Yeah. It's very rarely really outstanding. And yeah. there's so many good designers. This is, this is an exception. This yeah, is, that's a decent one. This is a good shirt. The Balor, the Balor Club logo, the new Balor logo, new-ish. Um, that's an exception. That's a decent-looking logo. Yeah. I think they, they got something good there. But they rarely have anything that is great. Mm-hmm. And there's been so many missed opportunities. I feel like Alistair Black, uh, his first two shirts are pretty decent. Mm-hmm. Um, but, yeah, they, they, need a, they need a, you know, his old stuff. Uh, what do they call themselves? The something, something, something? Siberian something or another. Oh, the Death Squad? Death Squad, yeah. Their merch is beautiful. And it looks a lot like his first two shirts. Maybe yeah. he was able to hire that. I don't know. I don't know. But, uh, yeah, they need better merch. Yes. Cool merch sells. And I'll say this, too. Cool. Usually the music's pretty good for entrance themes. But some of the Titan Trons. They oh, seem pretty yeah, the t- rudimentary. The Titan Trons are such, it's a lost art form. Those are such a throwaway thing now. Remember how it used to, like, the entrance video was everything. Yeah. It's big old Titan Tron just there. Like if DX came, you know, were, was fresh on the scene yeah, now. Yeah, yeah, It would just be like the DX logo kind of wiggling a right, little bit. Right, exactly, yeah. Or, yeah. You know, like stuttering in and out, like yeah. Dean Ambrose's logo does. It just kind of moves side to side. Yeah. Uh, but no, I think we can both agree. It comes down to storytelling and it comes down to the wrestling. Mm-hmm. Let them tell stories, let them wrestle and don't be so damn rigid. If something's hot, run with it. Yeah. Listen to the fans. Yes. There you go. Next from Vinny Elliott. Let's see what Vinny Elliott has to say. Okay. Hey friendos, best money in the bank ladder match ever. Go. Thank you, Vinny. The one where Seth Rollins won because his cash-in was the best. I'll be honest with you. For me to have answered this question, I have to go back and watch all the Money in the Bank matches. There aren't any that really – are there any like that cla- like stand out as like, oh, my God, that Money in the Bank was iconic? I kind of like feel iconic. like, by and large, depending on the competitors in the match, they all kind of m- m- like meld together in yeah, my mind. Yeah, I know, I know. Because usually they're, they're usually entertaining. They're usually fun, There's yeah, There's usually sure. two or three really incredible spots. Uh-huh. And then someone pulls that briefcase down. Mm-hmm, yeah. Um, the one I the one I picked was Money in the Bank 2016, the one Ambrose won. Okay. Because I remember it was a decent match. The lineup was really good. Yeah. Um, and then Ambrose cashed in that same night after Seth Rollins beat Roman Reigns yeah, for the uh, WWE title. That's good stuff. So it has a self-contained show. It was the whole show. Yeah, I remember In terms that. of the Money in the Bank storyline was pretty entertaining. I remember that. I remember being excited about Dean Ambrose's title, run with the title too, and then it didn't. it wasn't good. So Yeah. Um, but no, I don't know. I like Seth's cash is my favorite. I'm going to say the one where Seth won. I, I have think no that's idea. 2014. Yeah. Probably 2014. Yeah. yeah so. That was, that was probably good. One. Oh, that's the one that, uh, Kane helped them win. I'm probably less that. good now that I think about it. Cause anything that were Kane and help somebody win, that doesn't sound good. I think it was corporate Kane. I think that makes it better. It does. No, definitely. I was saying that as, as <laughs> yeah, say, yeah, yeah, that yeah. makes it Hold better. Hold on, Steve. It's corporate Kane. Corporate Kane oh, might okay. be my favorite Kane. Or where Daniel Bryan won, maybe. I don't know. Oh, in 2011? Maybe. maybe. I have to go back and watch it. I don't know. What about the ones that uh, CM Punk won? Sure. I wasn't even watching. I, I think that was like one period where I was like, I'm not really watching. I hear good things about the CM Punk guy. Don't know what CM stands for. He seems cool. Yeah. What does CM stand for? Um, country music. Chick Magnet. Mm-hmm. I, I've heard a variety of things, though. Well, I think originally it was supposed to be Chick Magnet. Yeah, I right. thought. I thought that's what you said in the, the documentary, the WB documentary. That's yeah. what they said. Oh, okay, maybe. I that could know. be wrong. Yeah. He's a good-looking guy. You know. Yeah, yeah. Uh, next up from uh, the friendo Chase. Let's see what Chase has to say. Hey, Steve. Hey, Larson. I just want a quick question right now. 
who should um, who should who should WWE uh, please more the casual fans or the hardcore fans? I know the hardcore fans are always there, but the casuals they show up in numbers sometimes, especially around the big pay per views. Uh, give me your thoughts. All right, thank you. Bye. Thank you, Chase. Thank you, like Chase. Chase was this close to getting off the rails, but then he pulled it back together. Brought it back. Good finish from Chase. Anyways, uh, you want to go first? Me go first. I go first. All right. I'm trying to think this one out and give my honest answer. I kind of feel like they should appeal to the hardcore fans. I know you have hardcore written down here. Yeah. Um, oh, you're looking up the CM Punk? Yeah, I'll make sure. Right on. Did you find it? Hold on. <laughs> Carry on. Chicago May. There you go. Um, uh, I'm going to say the hardcore fans because wrestling gets the buzz when they do stuff that appeals to the hardcore fans. I was actually kind of surprised. Granted, Ronda Rousey, a lot when she showed up at the Rumble last year, um, it did create a bit of a buzz more in the mainstream media, sports media, than amongst what I feel was sort of the hard because there, there was, I think there was a whole lot of sort of wait and see, like, oh, she's here. Okay, just you, you got to do so this. So, this is from a QA for UFC 182. Doesn't matter. About CM Punk's name. Apparently, it's, it's, it's for Chuck Mosley, who was a lead singer of Faith, Faith No More. Again, this is, there's multiple stories from 2015 saying this. Punk was a fan, and his friends called him Chuck Mosley, so he shortened it to CM. Well, there you go. Something, we learned something new so today. I thought he was, he was like a tag team with somebody, and they were both. It was Chick Magnet Punk and Chick Magnet something else. Mm. Yeah, I don't know. I don't know either. See, well, that's bring, what it says right here. Well, let's bring him on the show. From reference.com, they say originally stood for Chick Magnet. Let's bring him on the show and find oh, out for CM sure. CM Venom was his partner. CM Venom. Was he Chuck Mosley Venom as well? Yeah. <laughs> Cookie Monster. <laughs> Anyways. Um, I don't know. Who? Do, what do you think? So oh, WWE. Oh, for fuck. Sorry. He tells people all sorts of different things. Okay. Chuck Mosley was one of them. He says, which isn't true at all. Cookie Monster. There's another one. C. Montgomery Burns. <laughs> <laughs> that was pretty This is from a 2006 interview. He said that apparently. Anyways, carry on. I'm sorry. I just want to, you know... I want to get facts straight here on the show, but carry on. Okay. The buzziest moments in wrestling are the moments that appeal to the hardcore fans. That's how I feel. Um, when something crazy happens, usually it's like, oh my God, this was so cool. And it gets like the wrestling Twitter a buzz. And the ratings usually go up in response to that. And so I do kind of feel that you want to appeal the people who, you know, the one point, and it's not a small audience. I would consider anybody who has, here's what you want to appeal to. People who got the WWE Network. Because I kind of feel like if you're putting in $10 a month, you're a pretty damn big fan of the WWE. So that's who you should be trying to write for. I feel like that's an, that's an audience. Yes, the casuals do come out um, to watch shows, and they bring their kids and all that kind of stuff. But I do feel like the most vocal fans they, their voice, it's not a vocal minority. Like their voice is heard in those arenas. That's the, you know, granted, you know, depending on the market, if you're in Philadelphia, you're booing Roman Reigns out the building when he won the Royal Rumble, even if, you know, even despite the fact that The Rock is there, you know, with a thumbs up. Um, I feel like that crowd, the crowd that they will be the most vocal, they're the most passionate, and they can come back around to it. The casuals will always be there because you're paying for spectacle. Oh, it's WWE. They're going to put on a good show. The hardcore fans, you want to make sure that you are at least listening to them um, and respecting uh, and, and not taking advantage or not trying to, uh, to insult their intelligence. That's what I was um, trying to say. I think thinking about it now, kind of while you, you've, you've been rambled talking. on, I'm sorry. Um, the last time I can think of a uh, time, and maybe the only time, where catering to a large mainstream casual fan base worked was during the rock and wrestling era. Yeah, right. Yeah. In the mid-80s. Yeah. When Vince and the WWF made an overt attempt to, to you know, uh, increase the breadth of their reach. Um, and it worked then. Mm -hmm. um, but since then, the Attitude Era, that was organic, and that was just them 
finding a different voice, not necessarily a voice catered to casual fans, mm -hmm. but just a voice developed organically. And uh, WWE program, programming became such must-watch TV that more people viewed in than ever before. Yeah. And I, I feel like right now, with the wide variety of television viewing options people have at their disposal, you can't count on casual fans right. to tune in to anything. Niche audiences are growing and growing. Yes. Yeah. Um, you know, one of the reasons we keep hearing that Brock Lesnar is still around is because he brings in casual viewers. Don't really see that in the I ratings. I don't see, yeah, you don't really see that in the ratings, do you? No. Yeah. I mean, there's there's a slight jump when John Cena's on TV, mm -hmm. maybe. Yeah. But there's not a, a significant change in really anything that I can see when Lesnar is more involved, when Cena's more involved. Mm -hmm. Um so I, I kind of feel like if you're if you're marketing your show your promotion out of uh, to cater to the casual fan, I mean they have 150 200 channels at their disposal any given night. You know, you think they're going to show up, uh, tune into your show just because Brock Lesnar's back? Right. No, you have to give them captivating television to watch. That's why yeah. people watch television. Yeah. And if you're relying on stunts and bringing in part timers in an effort to draw eyeballs without giving them anything, uh, any any reason for them to stay tuned in or to tune in the next week, mm -hmm. then it's pointless. They're running a, on Monday nights, they're running a three-hour show. With the way Twitter works these days, with the way Facebook works, social media, word spreads very quickly when something really cool is happening on TV. Also, usually they post a little video or a gif of it on yeah. Twitter too. There is WWE more does. than enough time to boost your ratings throughout the show if you're doing something really, really cool. More often than not, people tune in early and then drop out by the end. You see well, that third long hour. show. Because it's a long show. But if you do really, if you, if, you, if you produce, like you said, captivating television, people will start tuning back in. Like mm -hmm. we've seen when cool stuff happens in the WWE, it gets all us a buzz about it. The ratings start to go up. When they're spinning their wheels, the ratings go down. Mm -hmm. So you do, I think you need to, I think catering to your hardcore audience is simply not insulting the intelligence of your, of your WWE fan. Yeah. You know? So that, that's kind of how I feel. I think if, if you're going to go with one of the two, it'd be the hardcore fans because, dude, you have one and a half million people plunking down not $10 well, a month. Well, go beyond that. It's not just, it's not just the hardcore fan spending $10 a month on uh, uh, WB Network subscriptions. It's those same hardcore fans that'll spend $500 for a ringside mm, seat yeah, sure. at Raw to get the VIP package. Plus, on top of that, go to the merch booth mm -hmm. and buy a shirt or two. Yeah. You know, or, you know, sometimes there'll, there'll be, there'll be fans who will travel yeah. from show to show to show for a stretch of time. Yep. Those are the hardcore fans. Those are the, those are the fans who are spending copious amounts of money on your product. So yeah, you know, you should probably cater your product to the fans you know are going to spend money on it. I kind of worry that WWE takes those fans for granted and think yeah. because this is WWE, they're going to spend money on it regardless. Yeah. Um, but I definitely hope that's not their, their viewpoint because I'm, I'm also not entirely sure. Like, you know, it all comes down to Vince McMahon. Mm -hmm. It all comes down to Vince. I'm not entirely sure Vince and maybe he does. Maybe he doesn't. I'm not sure Vince cares which fan he's catering to. I think Vince has his idea of what wrestling is and how it should be. And that's just what Vince does. Yeah as opposed to kind of listening to anybody or anything but his own gut, mm -hmm. his eyes and ears. Mm -hmm. But even his own eyes and ears probably like deceive Seems him Seems like bit. they can betray him at times. A little yes. bit, yeah. Where he, he, he misinterprets a reaction for Roman Reigns is that and, and, and thinks that's the same as people being interested in him. Yeah, I don't know. I'm actually giving people a reason to be interested in him. I love this next question. Yes, this might be a question of the week from Minnesota Joe. Let's see what Minnesota Joe has to say. Buenos dias, friendos. Welcome to another edition of Chit Chat with the Champ. Oh, wait. That's at Mayhem Seam. I'm sorry. Uh, hey, friendos. It's Minnesota Joe here with another Matt Chat question. Now, I was looking in my closet, and I found Lex Luger. My boy Lex. So, my question for this week is about him. Now, back in the late, late 80s and early 90s, if you look at it in retrospect, like... Lex Luger was really over. Like, when he came out, people went crazy for him. Like, he could have really been a big star, but for some reason, he just never got an opportunity, I think. Like, really, like, 
didn't really have that many impressive title wins. Like, he won some titles, but they weren't, like, long reigns. He was never really the top guy. He never really got the chance. So why do you think that is, Fernandos? Do you think it's because uh, of his personality? Like, is it him? Or do you think it might be, like, backstage politics or just something, you know, the, the promoter's getting cold feet or something? I just want to know what you think. Thanks, Rendos. Too sweet and a hearty handshake. Thank you, Minnesota Joe. What a this is a great question. You know why Lex Luger was never the guy? Go ahead. Because he's Lex Luger. <laughs> now you've been saying for a while that in the late '80s, early '90s, he was a decent promo guy. Okay. I, so you yeah, showed me one. Yeah. And he was just screaming a lot. I think I figured it out. I think I figured it out. What is it? Okay, well, let me, let me, let me compare and contrast. Whereas, sorry, whereas his subsequent promos in WWF and later in WCW, he just talked normally. Let me ask you something. Be honest. What? Who had more charisma? Lex Luger or Kerry Von Erich? <sighs> Have you ever seen a Kerry Von Erich yeah, promo? Yeah, no, there, there's, it's not captivating really at all. There's nothing going on. I there. guess Luger. I think they're both. <laughs> I guess Luger. I think the thing about Lex Luger is this. So when I I showed you that promo from 1989, yeah. right? And yes, he was screaming to the mic. Didn't really seem all that much more with it than he did later on. Yeah, he was just louder. He was just louder. Which I guess you can interpret that as intensity or passion. But you could hear like the women screaming for him in the audience. Yeah. And the crowd being just all about Lex Well, Luger. he was jacked. He was jacked. Lex Luger, I think the problem with Lex Luger is that he was a man built, created, for a very specific, specific era time. time. Yeah. yeah. And that time was basically the second half of the 1980s. 86, and that's, to, 86 to 90, maybe. And that's it. Yeah. And that is it. Because if you look at him with his hair, like in 89, with that hair, and he has like the 80s guy face, even his face yeah. is like something that people would find handsome in the 80s and yeah. never again. Yeah. Right. And he had on like the, the short sleeve, he had like the Sipowitz shirt on, you know, the short sleeve button up and he had the gold chain and he was the U.S. champion. Like that was just the most specific time. He was the perfect wrestler for that very because he didn't have to be a good wrestler. No, and he, he wasn't. was not a good wrestler. No. So he was just the perfect specimen, the perfect wrestler for, like you said, 1986 to 1990. That was exactly it. Because if you look at him any time after that, like I, I was looking at some pro, I was showing you some promos. Yeah, of his, from his WWF era. 93, 94. Especially as the narcissist. There was that thing missing, and I think that thing. Well, he wasn't screaming. Well, well he, was, he wasn't screaming, but also that thing was time had already passed him by. There was a reason that the wrestling industry was struggling in the early to mid-90s. Yeah. Because wrestlers like himself, like Hulk Hogan, just they weren't popular anymore. There, well, there were no wrestlers. They didn't capture the kind of the, the call it cultural zeitgeist, whatever yeah. you want to call it, like they were in the mid '80s. Because in the early '90s, there wasn't really. I mean, in terms of wrestling, I can't. I mean, I guess Bret Hart is probably like the Bret Hart, Mister Perfect. They were probably like the perfect Razor Ramon. They were like the perfect early 90s, like 93, oh, so I 94. I think especially Razor Ramon. Wrestlers. Like yeah. They fit. They made yeah. perfect sense. Yeah. But they weren't big enough personalities, I think. Well, I think I think Scott Hall was. I know, but I don't, I don't know what type of wrestler could have captured, as you say, the cultural zeitgeist of 1993. I don't know who that is. Yeah, I don't know either. I really don't. They had Ric Flair in WWF in, in that time frame mm -hmm. and didn't utilize him. Yeah. yeah to true. their fullest. Yeah. Yeah. But no, I think, yeah, I think Lex Luger was just so specific yeah. to four years, you know, out of like a 20 year career. I'll never forget when he wanders into that first episode of Nitro at Mall of America, like <laughs> right. he just stumbled upon something after getting a Stromboli at Sabaro. <laughs> right. He's got his puffy shirt on. Oh, man, it's the best. It's the best. <laughs> it's the best. And then, it, and then the only people that seemed excited or shocked that he's there are the announced team. Right. Everybody in the audience is like, why is that guy not... Why is the narcissist here? Why is the... Nobody knew who he There's was. There's two... Like, the, the image... The perfect image of Lex Luger is him on the shoulders of the Steiner brothers yeah. after defeating Yokozuna by count out. Yeah. Like, he actually won something. I know. I know. And he's That's got Lex that... Luger's career in one image. I know. And you can even see in his face at that point that, like, it's not really... Like, he understood that... Man, that was his opportunity, and they and they did not let him 
grasp it. Mm-hmm. And you have to you you I guess you can think I wonder if things could have been different for him, but I really don't think they would have been. I mean, you had Yokozuna carry the title for a little while longer. Yeah. Until didn't I think uh, well eventually ended up on Brett. Yeah. And so, you know, I don't think it would I don't that that really wouldn't have changed. I don't think many things would have changed all that, you know, Mm-mm. all that much. Mm-mm. So, yeah, I don't know. It's it's Lex Luger. He's Lex Luger. Yeah. He was made for 1986 to 1990, like you said. That's perfect. Yeah. yeah. Anyways, next up we've got, oh, well. It's the Nate Show. It's the late Nate Show. Let's see what he has to say. Hey, friendos. The Nate Show here again doing another live stockroom selfie promo for you guys. Uh, my Matt Chat question for this week is, who is someone, either a male or female wrestler, that you uh, personally think has been either underutilized or maybe there's there's a diamond in the rough that no one else sees. Uh, for example, you know, people say Dolph Ziggler all the time. He could be world champion. I know he has been world champion, but he could really be a major player if they give him something to do, something to work with. A uh, very underrated performer. Uh, for example, another example though for me is uh, Kofi Kingston. Whenever he first came along, I was like, I was on the train. I, I thought he was like, I thought he was going to be the biggest thing in the world. And I would ask people like, what do you think about Kofi? They're like, ah, oh, he's cool. It's cute. He does the whole Jamaican thing, whatever. But I saw a world title, um, you know, in his future, and then he was being pushed, had that great spot with Randy Orton at Madison Square Garden where they do the table and all that stuff. But uh, after that match where, you know, he kind of screwed up the finish and Orton did the so stupid thing, you know, whatever, kind of ruined his push. But who's someone like that for you guys personally across, you know, major promotions, uh, past or present, you know, be it WWE, WCW, someone that you guys saw as maybe major players but no one else saw? Um, I know it's kind of a weird question this week, but something been on my mind. But anyways, guys, uh, keep up the good work. Thank you, Nate Show. Thank you, The Nate Show. The Nate Show. Oh, man, the most underutilized wrestler. Um, so I kind I have an affinity for Kurt Hawkins. I think that he's a, he's a good wrestler. I think he's got really good promo skills. I think he has tons of charisma, um, but he just landed in this losing streak. Well, he landed in a awful gimmick when he yeah the, the face the fact stuff was terrible that was absolutely was terrible bad. that was really bad um but i mean i think i don't know i could i see him more i mean you know he was what edge the, the weird tag team with it what was that tag team called him and zach Ryder aren't they like edges buddies or edge heads edge oh god um i think that's what they're called yeah i don't know um i think he's got more charisma than zach Ryder, to be honest with you I think he's probably got more comedic chops than like Heath Slater. And mm-hmm. I like Heath Slater a lot for comedic mm-hmm. chops. I think they could be doing a lot more of them, although he's, you know, he's on main event quite a bit. And that's more than I can say for the guy you're about to point out. What? Ty Your guy. Yeah. Ty Dillinger. Yeah. Ty Dillinger is totally underutilized, man. Yeah. Well, he had a match against Shinsuke this past I week. I know it was really good. Yeah. But, you know, it's an outlier. Like, that's, No, I'm aware of that. But it yeah. shows they're the potential they have in their locker room to develop someone that can tell good stories in the ring and, and given TV time and a decent story could develop into, I won't say a major player, but uh, 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 a quality talent they could utilize in various stories. We saw him, you know, within a very short amount of time, really capture the hearts and minds of fans down in full sale in NXT. And it seemed before there was a huge influx of talent before his call up that he was potentially on the course to capture the NXT title would have been a completely believable story and a completely believable win had he beat Bob Roode for that belt. Yeah. The foundation was there for that story. He got called to Maine, it seemed like, because everybody thought, because the 10 chants were super over, they brought him up and they've done basically nothing with him since. Yeah. He was involved in the U.S. title scene briefly with Baron and AJ Styles. He was there to eat a couple pins. I think he got one roll-up win over Baron Corbin. Um, but as we saw on SmackDown this week, he's a really good wrestler. He might need a better haircut. Um, he, he can, we've seen it before, forge a, a really genuine connection with the audience. Mm. Um, he just needs opportunities. Yeah. He, I'm not saying he's going to be a world champ. He can definitely be a tag team champion. Yeah. Give him some time and some decent stories. He could be a mid-card champion. Yeah. U.S. title. That's, that's, that's a bit of a reach, given the talent level these days. But I think tag champion, maybe, you maybe. You remember that, that one time he tagged with Sami Zayn? And, and I thought, that could be an interesting team. Yeah. It just happened once. Yeah, I know. And then they, they teased something with him and R-Truth. I mean, he could be a, he could, I'll put it this way, he could be in the raw tag title scene. Oh, yeah. 
He could be there. Yeah. He could be he should be part of Titus Worldwide. That's what he should be. He should be part of Titus Worldwide. That's realistic for him though. That's realistic. That to me is No, realistic. it is realistic. Because what well, I mean, he's a numbers guy, Dana Brooke, a st- statistician. Yeah, no, I I get the connection. That's that's kind of all I see. And I'm I'm not saying I see a whole lot else from my guy, but I do feel like Kurt Hawkins, you know some people and I feel this way about especially about the B team and especially Curtis Axel, they have some people have a comedic delivery even inherent in their voice that just makes what they say funnier. Mm-hmm. Heath Slater's the same way. Yeah, yeah. Kurt Hawkins has that. Yeah. And I'm kind of surprised they haven't utilized it even more. Well, they, I mean, maybe he, they do all the time on main event. Yeah, that could be. Should we start doing main event reviews? Yes, man, of course. Absolutely. Mm. More but better. Uh, next up, uh, here we go. The backwards talker himself. Thayer Thabata, the backup talker. That's what yeah, it is. Yeah, backup. The backup talker. Backup talker. Let's see what Thayer has to say. Hey, guys. So WWE just signed a new TV contract, and one of the people in the running for it was Facebook. Now, I, like you, was just completely poo-pooing it as soon as I heard it, but then as I thought about it more, I was like, maybe we get all of the matches without any commercial interruptions in between them, maybe less downtime commercials or maybe little to no commercials in the middle of SmackDown. Maybe you can cut down on the whole runtime of the show because you don't have to work in those five minute commercial breaks and all that kind of stuff. So as I thought about it more and more, it started sounded like a better and better experience for me, the viewer. So my question is, would it have been better for the consumer of WWE like you and me if WWE's Raw and SmackDown went to Facebook instead of being on TV? Thanks, guys. I'm kind of disappointed he wasn't literally walking backwards. That's the thing about Thayer. You have a conversation with him, and he backs away. Only happened to you. It's very strange. Only happened to you. So should uh, would Raw and SmackDown be better on Facebook? No. 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 I couldn't stand no. watching the Mixed Match Challenge because all those comments <laughs> and emojis kept flying up on the screen and distracted from what I was trying to watch. Oh, man. I couldn't be, stand it. it would be t- I hate Facebook with a passion. Oh, yeah, that too. I like the only reason I still have Facebook is for the friendoverse. Uh, closed Facebook group. You guys should check it out. It's fantastic. It's a growing, very positive community. Yes. Um, and and I, I've been I, I try nowadays to try to do more stuff on our Facebook. Like we need to put our heads together and do more stuff for it because it's there are people there are a lot of people out there who are on Facebook. I'm not a huge fan of Facebook. No, I deleted the app from my phone. Well, that's oh, you figured out how to do that. Well, the best I could. Okay. Um. I, I don't like Facebook. I don't either. I, I don't like it. Here's the thing. I, I understand like that the, you, you see Facebook's reach. It's like in the billions, right? Something like that. And how many people were tuning in for Mixed Match Challenge on a weekly basis? Half a million? Yeah. If God, that's that was that's that was a like lot. the first episode or something. For the it? first episode, I think it, it was like a hundred like a hundred thousand. I think it was like a hundred thousand, yeah. So obviously just having uh, this huge reach uh, in front of you doesn't necessarily translate to large viewership numbers. They're going to get a larger viewership on cable or network television than they'll probably ever get on Facebook. Sure. I just don't really like watching content on my laptop terribly. That's, or my phone for well, three hours. Facebook doesn't even, they don't even have like, what is their thing called? Facebook Watch. Watch. They don't even, do they even have an app, like a proper app, like on Firestick? I don't think they do. No. So until they roll out something that, because here's the thing about Facebook that you and I have to keep an eye on. At some point, they might actually figure out how to monetize video. At some point, that could yeah, happen. Yeah, then, then maybe at that point, I'll pay attention to Facebook. Um, okay. Well, yeah, I don't know. There's still like a ways off for me wanting to watch content on Facebook. Mm-hmm. So that's kind of my thing. Yeah. I mean, I, I see what he's saying. Like, you know, if they said no, well. If they do- threw a ton of money at WWE and then they, they allowed WWE the opportunity potentially to show a three-hour Raw without com- commercial interruption... I understand the appeal of that. It make for the it make for a far better live viewing experience for those in attendance at an episode of Raw. So there's not those periods where you're just sitting around not doing anything between matches. More people. I mean, if it's actually three hours, you'd get a lot more stuff in because there would be no commercials. Yeah. So I mean, you'd basically be doubling your content with you'd that add span. an extra forty five minutes. Yeah. Almost yeah. an extra hour. Yeah. Because it's fifteen minutes commercials for every hour of television. It's like 20 minutes, isn't it? Well, it's like 40, 44 minutes is, okay. is what the actual oh, okay, okay, okay. hour-long gotcha, 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 gotcha. TV show translates to without commercials. Yeah, but no, I hate Facebook, so no. Yeah. 
Uh, next up, oh, here we go. Zach S. Let's, let's see what he has to say. What's good, Stephen Lawson? Mandy Frendo is out there. It's your official Frendo first IWGP Heavyweight Champ Zach S. I did another Frendo first match that giveaway. The winner of this week, his question is Besides Roman Reigns, who is going to be the Nets? Universal champion in WWE. Thanks, boys. Thank you, Zach S. Thank you, Zach S. Do you want to go first? Man, Larson, did you see the pop that Braun Strowman got coming out first on Monday Night Raw last week, this past week? Oh, my God. People love him. He would look so much money with that Universal Championship. It should be Braun. Braun should be face of company. He should be top guy. He should be undebeatable. He should be the guy that everybody's aiming at. All stories should revolve around him. He's Braun Strowman. He's best. Put Universal title on him yesterday. It's Braun Strowman. That's the answer. As much as I like to see Braun get these hands on the Universal title, real. It would be real to see. Finn Balor never got... He's yet to get another match for the Universal title. A belt yeah, he never man. lost. what's up with that? He never lost that belt. He had to vacate it because he hurt his shoulder. Boo. Um, he has not received another shot of that title since. Give him that shot. Give him that belt. Yeah, man. Let him see what kind of reign he could have. We never saw it the first time around. Nope. He had that belt for less than 24 hours. Give him a reign. Um, as we saw this last week on Raw, as well as previous weeks, he gets a pretty good pop himself, and especially in the last two matches against Braun, whenever he's made his comeback against Braun, the crowd has been really into it. That could be feud. Going back to the first AO worm question, dude, you want WWE to be the premier wrestling promotion across the board in the eyes of every fan out there. No debate. Finn versus Braun for six months culminating at WrestleMania. Finn finally beats Braun. That's how you do it. Yeah. Finn uh, gets together his club again. Be real. Be real. People would mark out so hard. Oh, heck for yes. Big time. Be great. Next up, oh, here he is, Steve Zodiac Killer, Adam Nuttall. Let's see what he has to say. Hello, Steven Larson. This is Steve Zodiac Killer scouting out a new area. Uh, now I watch Ring of Honor, and I personally think Vinnie Marcelli doesn't really fit in the kingdom. And I'd just like to know who you think really doesn't fit in a faction, um, and I'd love to know who you both think doesn't fit in a faction. Thank you, and I'll see you later. What was that video? I have no idea. Oh, my God. He's like, dude, look, we have to find out when those Zodiac murders took place and then triangulate that with Adam Nuttall's lifespan of years he's been alive, and we will find out, I guarantee you, he is Zodiac Killer. I think there's going to be a pretty big disparity. Time travel. Have you seen the picture of Adam Nuttall? And the picture of the artist rendition of Zodiac Killer without the mask. I saw that. It's striking. You're going to need time travel to make that even uh, anywhere close to a possibility. If time travel is a possibility, what odds are that Nuttall is Zodiac Killer? Still not very good. He looks exactly like him. A little bit like him. Anyways, who doesn't fit into their faction? Here's the correct answer. Roman Reigns doesn't really fit into the shield. Oh, come on. Yes, he does. That's stupid. You have Seth Rollins. The architect. One of the best wrestlers in the world. Yeah. And while he was in the shield initially, we thought this guy's not very good on the mic. Eh, wrong. He wrong. was awesome. Best now. Um, I mean, even as soon as he left the shield, it was like, where were these skills the whole time? I know. They were there. He just didn't do it. Yeah. Then you have Dean Ambrose. Not the wrestler that Seth Rollins is, but he's he's a hell of a mic guy. Great personality. Great personality drops great promos. Then Top you got character. Roman Reigns, who's yeah. supposed to be the muscle of the shield, yet yeah. his move set was in no way reflective of, of that. Still isn't. Um, he's a competent wrestler. Put him in there against good opponents. Uh, he can put on some good matches. Mm-hmm. Not much of a Mike guy. No. Um, uh, here's the thing. Both Seth and Dean, when the Shield were at their best, there is an element of danger about them. Yeah, sure. There's nothing dangerous about Roman Reigns. <laughs> wow. Wow. I don't feel like. What about Cassius Ono? Yeah. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> the least dangerous guy there is. I love him. I think he's fantastic. Like one of the best wrestlers ever. But he also has the kindest face. Oh, I know he does. <laughs> So I'm going to say Roman Reigns, not a popular answer, but that's what I'm going to say. He doesn't really fit into the shield. Look, man, here's the answer. I almost did this answer, too. All things evil. No, everything is evil. Whatever. Uh, it's evil, man. This dude looks like a supernatural character. He comes out with the cheesy plastic scythe. He comes out with like his weird mask and his robe. And it all and looks... And love of laser pointers. And it all looks like stuff that either he made... He crafted or he bought from the 99 cent store 
and he's in the coolest faction in on the planet, LIJ. And no one else in the faction has a gimmick in any way remotely close to what no, he's No, no. Actually, everybody else is pretty unified in terms of yeah. the disposition and kind of general packaging. They all look really cool, yeah. and he doesn't look cool. He's got a singlet. That's not cool. The only person who could really pull off that kind of singlet was uh, RVD. RVD looked cool in that. Evil mm-hmm. doesn't look cool, man. He does not belong in Los Los Ingobernables. He should be a loner. That's who he should be. He should be in chaos. Uh, next up, yeah, he should be in chaos. Next up, we've got, oh, my favorite, my favorite uh, Matt Chatter. TNA for life. Let's see what he says. What up, friendos? It is TNA for life here for another Matt Chat question. I want to know Steven Larson. If you had the opportunity to see one of these two dream matches, which would you have rather seen? Shawn Michaels versus AJ Styles or Stone Cold Steve Austin versus CM Punk? Thank you very much. Too sweet. Hearty handshake. Peace out. Thank you, TNA for life. Thank you, TNA for life. Uh, All right, so here's the thing. I feel like I feel like this. I would be going against my history, my you can uh, steal my, my likes. Again. No, but I'm gonna. I'll put. I'll put it this way. I will openly and absolutely acknowledge that if the AJ Styles HBK match would have gone down at the Royal Rumble last year, yeah, the one in San Antonio, right? If that had gone down, that match would have been better than Punk versus Austin during Punk's big reign and they did the Austin thing. Um, For Austin to come back, if he was in great shape and put on a great match with CM Punk, I mean, maybe, yeah, maybe that could have been better than AJ Styles versus HBK, but I kind of doubt it. Um, It would have been great to see both those guys. I would have been torn. I wouldn't have known who to root for, but, you know, they were two of my favorite wrestlers of all time. I do kind of think that HBK and Styles probably would have put their heads together and come up with maybe one of the best matches that oh, we've seen yes. in a very long time. Heck so yes. yeah, I'm sure you agree with that. Sam. Yeah, it's HBK versus Styles. I mean, you, you you can definitely make the argument that the the promo battles between Punk and Austin would be quite a bit better. Mm-hmm. But in the end, all that is a service to what happens in the middle of that ring. Yeah. And you can't argue that HBK versus AJ Styles would not have been the better match. It definitely would have been the better match. Maybe. But if it all comes down to storytelling, I don't know. Punk and Austin are both pretty damn good storytellers. As are AJ Styles and HBK. No, I, I, I get that. I'm just saying I don't, think it's, I don't think it's a home run. I don't think it's a sure bet. It's pretty close. It's HBK versus Styles. Yeah, but Punk versus Austin. Yeah. Punk was a hell of a storyteller. Yeah, he was good. Give me Punk. How about this? How about CM Punk versus AJ Styles? Versus Shawn Michaels. Done. With special guest referee yeah. Stone Cold Steve Austin, yeah, everybody gets stunned. And in the end. end, everybody gets stunned. Everybody gets stunned. Perfect. At the end. We booked it. Uh, ooh, we got a new Matt Chatter Larson. His yeah. name is DJ Mutt. He's about to spin us a question. Yeah. Hey, Stephen Larson. First time twenty dollar Patreon here, DJ Mutt. Um, quick question: Who do you think has been a better fighting champion? Um, AJ Styles with WWE champion, and, or Seth Rollins with the Intercontinental? Um, I'll let you two guys decide who debates what, but um, I thought I'd ask this question just because I feel like in my personal uh, feelings are that, you know, Seth has just been killing it. Um, I'm kind of, he, he's making that IC title the, the must-see title, and I think that that is great. Um, anyways, uh, love to see what you guys say. Thank you, DJ Mott. Thank you, DJ Mott. As much as I'd love to say AJ Styles and actually try to formulate uh, an argument in his favor, it's nigh impossible to do because Seth is on such an incredible run. But I'll, I'll, I'll just say this. Because Seth right now is the correct answer. Yeah. Um, during the lead-up to Mania, we heard that uh, AJ had some sort of knee injury. Mm-hmm. Nothing serious, but enough that he had to take some time off. Mm-hmm. And, and while his matches against Nakamura, each one has gotten better, mm-hmm. I wonder if the fact that he's kind of still maybe nursing some sort of injury has kept him out of the ring. Could be. Because I, I remember the last time he really – well, I guess it was a couple of weeks ago he wrestled on SmackDown and he lost to Nakamura. But we haven't seen him in the ring as much on SmackDown as we had in previous weeks. Yeah. Definitely since the return of Daniel Bryan. Yeah. Um, and so I kind of wonder if that's still kind of holding him back a bit. AJ Styles is still one of the best wrestlers in the entire world. Um, and I wonder if it's it's the reason that he hasn't been putting on the, the quality matches 
um, that Seth has is just based on opportunity. Um, like Seth gets a new opponent every week. Yeah. And that's not happening for AJ. Plus, maybe the knee injury is still a factor. I don't know. That's the only reason I could think why he might not be wrestling as much on television. Yeah. Um, but the answer right now is definitely Seth. Seth is operating at a whole other level right so now. So right now, yes, it is Seth. And I think there's two things happening. Number one, I feel like the WWE is far more tentative to do interesting things with their top titles. I mean, certainly the Universal Championship. And with the WWE Championship, I kind of feel like it, that's the case as well. Um, he is in this long-term thing with Shinsuke, and I get that they're they're building to possibly a Shinsuke victory. I, that that's it has to lead there. Um, but if you look back at if you look back at AJ's not just this title run, but the one he had before this, um, he had a pretty impressive line of matches. Roman, um, I mean, I know he had. Uh, you know, he fought gender. He had that great match against uh, Finn. Well, he brought out a Brock Lesnar, the best of Brock. Yeah. So I think in terms of what he's been given, he's done everything he possibly can. Oh, yeah. They're just a lot less. They're just a lot more willing to have the Intercontinental Championship defended when the hell ever. Mm-hmm. And thank God they have it on Seth Rollins, oh, who yeah. can put on a great match. When the hell ever he yeah, wants to. Yeah, I know. Um, and so, yeah, right now with Seth, if you go back and you take all of AJ Styles' sort of, you know, uh, both of his WWE title runs, I think that there's more of an argument to be made. Oh, yeah, yeah. I, I, I just if you go the, back that far, but yeah, right now it's feeling Seth. that this question was in terms of right now. Oh, yeah, right now it's absolutely Seth. But, I mean, that's no you, – you, you're probably right in terms of the AJ injury. That wouldn't surprise me. Um, but uh, they're just Seth has just given them way more opportunity. Yeah, yeah. Uh, next from Jeremy Diaz. Let's see what Jeremy has to say. Hey, friendos, Cancer Man here, also known as Y2 Jeremy. Just a quick gaming slash wrestling video game question. I know you guys used to do ten for the win and all that kind of kind of stuff. Aside from No Mercy, which is the obvious answer that everyone picks, what is your favorite wrestling related video game? Oops, sorry about that. My personal one is WWE All-Stars, which came out in 2011. It is seven years old, and I still play it. Um, let me know what you think. Cancer Man out. Deuce. Too sweet. And a hearty handshake. We'll catch you later, guys. Thank you very much, Jeremy. Thank you, Jeremy. Um, I think we can both agree. Favorite wrestling game of all time, WCW yeah. versus NWO World Tour. Although, I'll say this. Mm. Virtual Pro Wrestling is rising up the ranks for me oh, for one God. reason. Well, it's the same game, only it's got Minoru Suzuki. Yeah. Yeah, I know. Now, that should be your top game of all time. If you're on a desert island, what would you rather take with you? World Tour or Virtual Pro Wrestling or the current 2K series, 2K18? Well, am I, am I on this desert island by myself? Yeah. I think I, no internet connection, right? Well, you got enough internet internet connection to play the game. I kind of feel like I I might still prefer a world tour because I always want to see if I can break the record for fastest TKO. Oh wow, okay, you're gonna go crazy on that desert island, man. Well, I mean, if I'm a desert island by myself, odds are I'm gonna go crazy anyways. I am. I I do like. I mean, granted, it's you know it's got its fair share of flaws, but there's a lot to do in the two K. Oh, there is. There definitely you know? is, and, and I enjoy those games quite a bit. Part of it's yeah. nostalgia factor. We played so much of world tour. Oh you know, no! Oh, absolutely! Years. Yeah, that, that's exactly that is what it is. Going to have a place in my it's, heart. It's the most solid. It is the most solid wrestling game experience there is, and I even I even prefer World Tour over No Mercy. Yeah, same. You here. know, just because of those mechanics. Um, but that being said, we have so much fun playing 2K18 mm-hmm. as well every week when we do. Um, it's hard. It's hard not to say not to not to give that some love at least. Yeah, you know? that's fair. So yeah, I don't know. It's kind of a toss up for me. If you if you ask me in any situation, which game would you rather have? Like if we're just sitting back kicking some beers back, World Tour or Virtual Pro Wrestling. But if it's like, hey, every week you got to play this, it's probably gonna be two K eighteen. Yeah, I see that point. Yeah, there's there there's more options in the WB two K series as mm-hmm. far as stuff to do. Yeah, and we've whereas to World the point. Tour is pretty much with World Tour for us is one thing is 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 base hits. Yeah, it's DK hits. oh yeah, and there is by the way across games there is nothing more satisfying than a, a true base hit. Yes, nothing more devastating, especially a single base hit TKO victory. Let me ask you something. What is the most satisfying thing in two K eighteen? 
Because these days for me... Is it the first blood matches for the 10 pounds of flesh? Oh, title? those are good. Those are really good. Those are up there. Is it, is it playing just well enough to, to get me pissed off? No, I don't like when you get mad. Oh, okay. I feel like it brings our content level down. I feel it, it diminishes quality. Because then you, sometimes you go quiet. Um, no, it's when things happen so unexpectedly, like when The Miz drop-kicked Maurice. Yeah. When Jinder colossed Maurice... When uh, Triple H pulled down the top rope while levitating, um, sending Finn Balor yeah. over the top rope, causing a, a disqualification. Yes. That stuff is so it's so satisfying when yes, that kind of stuff fun. happens. When we have a plan, or even if we don't really have a plan, but something either glitches or a happy accident happens, and we get something good out of it. Yeah, that's very that's very exciting. Yes. Uh, let's see here. Next up, we've got oh, perfect. Double J, Joe Jensen, J-O-E, J-O, E-J, E-N, S-E-N, Ain't I Great, Joe Jensen. Let's see what he has to say. Hey, Steve Larson. It's Double J, Joe Jensen, Ain't I Great. Just watching uh, another fabulous episode of Steven Larson Book Raw, and it got me to thinking with how popular New Japan Pro Wrestling has become over the last couple of years, specifically this year. Uh, do you see a video game developer making a New Japan video game? Let me know. Too sweet. Hearty handshake. Swig of beer. Thank you, Double J. Thank you, Double J. Uh, yeah, it'd be great if... Well, here's the thing. There's going to be a new version of Fire Pro Wrestling for the PS4 that's going to feature New Japan. When is talents. that happening? I feel like that was know. announced a while ago. I don't know. I know uh, Kenny Omega posted something on Twitter of uh, some animations from the game of him doing some of his moves. That's cool. So I don't know when it's coming out. Yeah. Um, but I don't think it's branded as a New Japan Pro Wrestling game. I think it's branded as Fire Pro Wrestling. Imagine this, if you will, Steve. Uh, well, it's like a partnership. Yeah. Yeah. Um, somebody, some intrepid video game company, yeah. says, we love ourselves in New Japan Pro Wrestling. We also like some Virtual Wrestling 64. Oh, yeah. Take that game engine those same mechanics yeah, be good. Um, you can even update the graphics I don't even think that's necessary give me N64 quality graphics I'm totally happy with that mm-hmm. um, so you're getting a New Japan pro wrestling game a la WCW versus NWO World Tour add some customization features um, some, some classic venues Kirk mm-hmm. and Hall Tokyo Dome um, you can definitely increase the breadth of the game based on current technology um, but I, I think at its, at, its, at its soul, if it harkens back to that game, I think that'd be outstanding. Okay, so I like that idea. I think it's I know great. it's good. But this is what I suggest. What? All of New Japan's, virtually all of New Japan's stories take place inside the ring. In the ring. Right? However, this is what I'd like to see. With the recent success, at least in the wrestling world, of the latest Yakuza game, where you got mm. some members of New Japan in various roles. I want a completely outside of the ring, third-person adventure type game, all centered around New Japan lore characters. For example, here's a side quest. Mm-hmm. You're Tetsuya Naito. You have the Intercontinental title. And you're also hungry. Yes! Yes! So you go yes. from restaurant to restaurant, yeah. trying to find that one restaurant that will accept go. the Intercontinental title as payment for a meal. There you go. Exactly. And if it doesn't, they don't accept it, you go outside and you throw it on the sidewalk. You have another side quest, Yano on the street trying to sell his DVDs to people, street vendor. Or your 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 chaos, mm-hmm. and it's, it's a day trip with chaos to the amusement park. Yes, exactly. Yeah, that's perfect. So that's kind of what I want to see. I want to see a full narrative, no in-ring action, but the action when it comes to fighting people, you're still pulling off their moves, regard, you know, depending on who you're playing as. I, I imagine multiple narrative threads with different oh, factions, yes, you yes, know. Yes. So a lot of, the, you know, you get Cody in the game, you get Kenny in the game. Oh, there's so much there to play with. So that, to me, I think would be the way to go. We get enough of the in-ring action. Let's take things outside of the ring. All right. That, you're excited about that. Well, I, I'm excited about the idea of trying to find a restaurant that will accept the Intercontinental title as a form of payment. That's good. <laughs> that uh, we got a few text questions. First from uh, John Mower or John, John Mower. John Mower of Worlds. Um, he asks, Vince McMahon has given approval for a John Cena heel turn. Yeah. Besides, he wants to do it via the 1996 Bash at the Beach like Hulk Hogan joining the NWO. Yeah. 
who is in the Cena heel faction and who is the face of this faction? I've got the right answer. Cena is the modern day Hulk Hogan without the wrestling, without the racism stuff. And so the modern day NWO is the undisputed era. They have Johnson. And think about, think about how perfect it is. They are true indie darlings coming from Ring of Honor. They're coming, the legitimate wrestling guys, and Cena joins them. Oh, how great would that be? The promos with Cena and Adam Cole, where Cena's trying to be cool but, like them. But, and none of them are really cool. They're no, all kind of dorky. Here's the issue that I would have with that, potentially, mm -hmm. is that Cena would take the spotlight. He would take the lead role. Yeah. And I want that for Adam Cole, baby. Well, Adam Cole, that could be a story right there. That's a story. I almost went with the Young Bucks. Bring the Young Bucks in. Oh, yeah. Like the Outsiders. Yeah. Have Cena join up with That's them. That's a great answer. And, and then I thought... You should have gone with that answer, because what no, you have is I have terrible. Two, I have two funnier answers. And I thought... That'll probably never happen. Who's some, some NXT talents, a tag team that can use his help, heavy machinery. That's terrible. But that's not a good answer. No, terrible. So instead, I want the funniest answer I can think of. Mm -hmm. Imagine John Cena okay. joined by Baron oh, Corbin. Hey, no. Now that Baron has learned from his public embarrassment at John Cena's hands. <laughs> right. And then Jinder Mahal. Oh, God. All right. There you go. No, man, that'd be terrible. Dominant heel faction. It would just be, I feel like it'd be It'd be Cena and kind of Mahal because something tells me Cena likes Mahal. Yeah. Because he's a hard worker. Yeah. All, all he wants is a hard worker. Yeah. But then Cena and Mahal, they'll laugh at Corbin because he's an asinine. He's got these asinine tweets. How much did they pay you for your Twitter opinions? Yeah. I drive Ferrari. That could make for some funny uh, Twitter videos. That could. That could. Where they, where they try to get Baron to get on track, not worry about Twitter so much, worry about your craft. And then, like, sometimes Cena will look at Adam Cole and uh, what's her name? What's his girlfriend's name? Britt Baker. Britt Baker. And they're, like, truly in love. And he's like, I wish I knew what that was. Mm -hmm. But I am robot. He starts singing, I want to know what love is. Yes, exactly. There's so many great stories you could be told there. I know, especially with Baron Corbin and John Cena. <laughs> we've already seen we've already seen the pinnacle Cena Corbin story. No, I feel story. like we've only seen Act One. <laughs> it was Cena humiliating Corbin in the ring at SummerSlam. I know. Uh, next, Bronze partner Nicholas. His question is: um, uh, If you were to create a dream match in wrestling between someone from the '80s against the current star, who would it be? Okay. Um, it's Macho Man versus Seth Rollins. Yeah, that's a good one. Um, back in the 80s in WWF, um, athletically, the Macho Man probably had one rival, mm -hmm. probably who you're going to talk about. Mm -hmm. um, and you could make the same argument for Seth Rollins, at least on Raw. Mm -hmm. um, he is, without a doubt, the best wrestler on Raw. Yeah, He is one of the three, probably four best wrestlers in the entire company. Mm -hmm. And the tear he's been on of late um, is, without compare, in the WWE Um Imagine them together with legal pads, plotting mm. out the match, move by move in a yeah. hotel room um, over the course of several days leading up to some WrestleMania, tearing the house down. Um, that's what I'd want to see. All right. How about this? Fabulous Moolah versus Nia Jax. And they try to do that Montreal, that original screw job ending. But Nia Jax is like, you're just an old lady. You can't do that to me. She just holds her down. And then takes that title off her with that picture of Moolah on it. And so she keeps it. She's champion. Moolah's reign of terror is over. That's what I want to see. <laughs> I had Steamboat Styles here, but that's crap. I don't want it. There's no, that'd be, be a great match. Be, there's got to be something more interesting than that. Million Dollar Man versus whom? Who's rich? The, who's supposed NXT to be rich? Bob Rude. NXT, there you go. NXT Bob Rude. Or EC3. Perfect. Rick Rude versus Bob Rude. Rick Rude versus Velveteen Dream. That's good, too. Oh, that's good. I like that one. There you go. See? Perfect. Rick Rude's more of a 90s guy. Uh, Mo Clo, master of the low blow, uh, has a text question as well. He says, which one is the greater wrestling dynasty, the Anoais or the Hearts? It's got to be the Anoais, right? In, in every conceivable way, it's the Anoais. They've got Roman Reigns and The Rock. Yeah. And the Usos and Rikishi. And, and who else? Afa and Sika. Yeah. Uh, the Tonga Kid. Yeah. Um, Yokozuna. Oh, yeah. Rosie. Yeah. Uh, Umaga. Umaga. Um, Gee, it was a lot yeah. of people. 
Yeah. Oh, yeah. I mean, the Hart Dynasty, they had a Owen and Brett. And well, and Stu. And Stu, you know. And then, you know, I mean, and you then, can Bridge Bulldog, Dynamite Kid, I guess. They're kind of tangentially related, right? Well, Bridge Bulldog was married to one of Brett's sisters. Yeah, okay. That's, was, that's family. That was Jim Neidhart. That's family. And so you get Natalia. Yeah, right. Tyson you get Kidd. Davey Boy Smith Jr. Yeah. Harry but Smith. That that pales in comparison. Lance Archer. That pales in comparison. I don't think he's a heart. He's part of the heart family. He's a good friend. Could be. Uh, that, pale, that pales in comparison to, yeah, Rock and Roman Reigns on the same team. Who doesn't want that team? Mm-hmm. That's a dream team right there. Yep. That Philly crowd didn't know what they were booing, man. I'm telling you. No, I think they had a pretty good idea what they were booing. Yeah, I think so. Anyways, that's it for Matt Chat. Thanks so much for tuning in. Leave your comments below. Until next time, I'll talk to you guys later. Bye. Bye.